Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast where we talk about what's going on in our brains instead of what's happening outside. We're your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week's episode, Harry Potter. Hi, Megan. Hey, Steffi. How's it going? Uh, I hate to be one of those people who complains about being tired because... I hate being, I hate having to listen to other people complain about being tired, <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm you're tired. tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our first episode that we're recording in 2020. It's not our first episode going live in 2020, but we've taken a couple weeks off of recording. And so I feel like it's, we're in that like trying to get back in the swing of things. And I know. Just, and it feels like forever since I talked to you. It really does feel like forever has passed. I could make a whole like, I haven't talked to you since last year joke, but. Oh, man. I know. That's almost as bad as people complaining about being tired. My kids were really into the, we're not going to be able to do this until next year. Oh, my God. On the 31st. It was awesome. <laughs> Your kids are at that really great, like, terrible joke age. They are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even, like, pretend that any of them are funny, or do you just give them the side eye and tell them that they're not funny? I mean, sometimes I chuckle, I have to admit. (laughs) It's really hard not to sometimes, but a lot of times I just kind of look at them like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Then you add in your husband on top of it. It's just you. I know. You live with some nerdy men. It's just Tonight at dinner, though, the kids were like, I don't know, Bob said something and he was trying to be funny and the kids were just like, ugh. And they're, <laughs> they're like, poor Bob. Dad's not funny. And I was like, you probably shouldn't say that <laughs> to people. It might be true, but maybe you shouldn't announce it. But they do think I'm funny. So. Well, you are funny. So I guess they have good taste. Yeah, I raised him right. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I just got back from a little vacation, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. And, you know, just trying to get back into the swing of things. And I also, I took my vacation from like Thursday through Monday. And then I remembered how hard it is to come back to work on like a Tuesday after vacation days it's a struggle yeah I mean we you know we all had off for the holiday and you you were gone the next day but we were the next day we were all like what what is happening what day is it I don't know is is it midnight on in March like what I don't know what to do it was it was a mess yeah it was good that you weren't there Off on your vacation, having fun, while the rest of us were like, I don't know what email is. Well, I was struggling this morning, so I just delayed the pain. But, you know, just trying to figure out what day of the week it is and what my name is and where I live. And we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Maybe you should know what tomorrow is because today we recorded a podcast. That helps. See, getting back to our routines, it totally helps. (laughs) Should we get to it? Yeah, let's do it. This week, we are cracking open our copies of Hogwarts A History, snacking on chocolate frogs, and readying our wands as we dish on one of our favorite obsessions, Harry Potter. To help us as we meander down Diagon Alley, we've invited one of my best friends and fellow Potterhead, Kathleen Curdo. Welcome, Kathleen. Hi. Kathleen, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
So I met Steffi in college, freshman year, and I lived on the sixth floor. She lived on the fourth floor. Um, we've been friends ever since. I'm a Chicagoan turned Californian. We moved here six years ago, and I'm a wife and a mom of two. I'm a photographer, an entrepreneur, and perhaps most importantly, but probably not most importantly, I'm a lover of all things Harry Potter and Disney. I feel like I had to say probably not most importantly because my kids and my husband should probably <laughs> like be the in, most important in thing. In real life, maybe. In real life, but like, <laughs> you know, in my in my brain sometimes, Harry Potter and Disney kind of, they take a lot of space. For, for the purposes of this episode, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And yeah. actually, before we start talking about Harry Potter, you have a brand new podcast that you just launched. So I want you to tell us about that before we get too much further. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, it is called the Curating Cozy Podcast, and it is about all things cozy. And that's not just cozy decor, although that's certainly going to be a part of it, but it's truly about curating your coziest self in mind, body, spirit, and of course, decor. So awesome. Yeah. And that is definitely right up the alley of a lot of our listeners. So we will be sure to link to that in our show notes so that everybody can check it out. Thank you. That would be awesome. So now to Harry Potter, and I think it would actually be great to hear how we all became obsessed with Harry Potter. So Kathleen, why don't you start? Okay. So the first one came out when I was in, I believe, fourth grade, um, which is showing my age, I suppose, although Steffi and I are the same age. But my fourth grade teacher found it, I guess, and read it aloud to us in class. And when she finished it, we all loved it. And then ever since, um, you know, I was just one of those people that wanted to get the copy of the next book the day it came out. We never did. My mom and dad did not do the um, midnight lines with me (laughs) that was that was a little too much which as a mom myself now I'm like yeah I I can respect that decision (laughs) but we always got the books they had always pre-ordered the books so we'd get them the day they came out and then all of our classmates you know it was like a race to see who could read it the fastest I never won but (laughs) uh it was it was it became an obsession pretty quickly I'd say. And then the movie started to come out and I remember distinctly, I used to be a teacher and I used to be an English teacher and the, and Deathly Hallows part one came out while I was student teaching. And there were three of us from Illinois Wesleyan in the English department at this high school as student teachers and school started at 7.15 in the morning started at 7:15 which i think is God. it was so early and of course it came out at midnight the night before this isn't when they were doing the shows at like 8 p.m. the night before like they do now mm-hmm. and we ended up the three of us 
we're all Harry, big, big Harry Potter fans. Our cooperating teachers went to see it at midnight together <laughs> because they didn't have to teach in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. So they stayed in the, in the teacher's lounge in the English office, like hanging out, tired as I'll get out, while we had to teach in the morning. And <laughs> I told my students, because a bunch of them went to see it at midnight and then came to school. And I remember telling them that if they told me where it cut off, that I would dock points from their assignment of the day. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. They, try, they tried to call me out on that and, like, test the legitimacy of it. And I, I just basically said, like, don't try me. Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> I couldn't actually do it, but, you know. Wanted to. You can make you can make them think that you could. I'm I made the threat at least. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Megan. How about you? Um. Well, so I did not read Harry Potter in fourth grade because I am nine years older than you guys. <laughs> um. But also, I didn't start reading it until I think after the third book came out. So it was more of like a slow burn. Sure. For me, I think probably because I was older, it wasn't like in my sphere so much. Um, But then I started hearing more and more and more about it. And at the time, I worked at a bookstore. Um, It was a college bookstore, but we also sometimes got novels. And so I think there was a copy laying around one time and it was a slow day and I started reading it. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) From there on, then I was like, became obsessive in terms of like, I had to buy it as soon as it came out. I would try to go to the movies. Um, when the final book came out, I was working an office job. And luckily, it was during our very slow season because at least half of our department was just sitting at our desks reading Harry Potter (laughs) for the whole day. Guys, we've got priorities, and they are not actual work. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, if there's nothing to copy edit, like, what are you going to do? Studying by reading books, obviously. (sighs) Perfect. So, yeah. Um, And then now that I have kids and kids that are, you know, old enough to actually read the books, it kind of compounded from there because I got to see how excited they get about it. Yeah. And we forced my older son to read all the books before he could watch the movies. Oh. And so that worked out pretty well, actually. Hashtag parenting goals. How old old are they? Um, My oldest is 12. Okay. And so he read all of the books. Uh, by the time he was 10. I can't remember wow. when he finished the last one. But he's read all of them. He's dying to go to Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, the little one hasn't read any of them yet, but he's only seen the first movie. But just almost there. We're almost close yeah. enough to get him to read all the books. That's that's awesome. I couldn't wait for my son to read the books before I showed him the movies. So he can basically quote the first two movies at this point, And he's, <laughs> he's turning four later this month. So uh. and he really, he went through a real phase where like, I'd be FaceTiming with Kathleen and he would like come up while we were FaceTiming and he'd be like, mommy, watch Dobby. Cause he wanted yeah. to watch the movies that have Dobby in them. Cause he loves Dobby. So obviously yeah. mostly that is chamber of secrets, but right. Yeah. Because 
Because this, I mean, I know we're going to talk about the movies later, but that is one of the bigger sins of the movies that they like deleted a lot of the house elf plots. Mm -hmm. And so Dobby doesn't show up again until Deathly Hallows, which is not the movie I want to be showing my three-year-old. It's a little dark. No. It's a (laughs) little dark. Like we, we watched the first two together. Sometimes I watch the third one with him if it's like daytime. Right. Yeah, that's but, kind of the reason why we made him read the books first, because yeah. they do get progressively darker. So for sure. Want to make sure that he was actually ready for them. Yeah, definitely. I will say when Henry started saying Dumbledore when he was two, it might have been one of my proudest <laughs> moments as a parent. <laughs> Dumbledore. That was the best. Oh, my goodness. It's pretty great. Steffi, what about you? Well, so like Kathleen said, we're the same age. So I was in fourth grade when um, Sorcerer's Stone came out. And I actually had a really good friend at the time whose dad is British. And so he had actually gotten a copy of Philosopher's Stone um, when it came out in the UK. And so our little friend group kind of got a jump start on the obsession. And we read the first book before... Um, like about the time it was just starting to come out in the U.S., but before it had really taken off. Um, and then, and I actually remember reading his copy of Chamber of Secrets before it did come out in the U.S. Because um, they always like sent him the copies as soon as they had them. So um, I remember reading Chamber of Secrets with the U.K. cover instead of the U.S. cover. Um, and then... The last book came out the summer between high school and college. So it was kind of fun because Kathleen and I are that age where we were like 10 when the first one came out and 18 when the last book came out. So we really were that exact age group that really grew up with Harry. Um, And like I loved them as they were coming out. I was obsessed with them like at the time. And I think now... Every time I read them, there's something else I fall in love with, with these Mm -hmm. books. Um, And they just, they stand the test of time. They defy the, anyone that is like, these are kid stories. Um, They're not rude. And (laughs) I just, I find something else. And every time I go through like something new in my life, there's something that resonates with with me within the books um like when I lost my mom like that really resonates with me and like in this entering a new stage of life of looking to become a parent like that changes my perspective on the books so I just think that they're just so wonderful and there's so much you can get out of them and uh, my other so my favorite not book of all time aside from the Harry Potter series is East of Eden by John Steinbeck and they're extremely different books in case you haven't read both they're extremely different however the thing that I think is kind of interesting is that they both very much deal with um, the power of choice and how we have choice in our lives and like what that looks like and what that means Um, And so I have always thought that that's kind of interesting that like my favorite books are so, so different from each other, but both really deal with that as a central theme. So 
So obviously we're all obsessed with the series as a whole, but what is your favorite book of the series? Um, I I think my favorite is Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, closely followed by Deathly Hallows. I'm one of those people that really loves endings. I mean, I don't want it to end, but I like when things get wrapped up. I like finding out all of the secrets. So that's why I love Deathly Hallows. But Prisoner of Azkaban is really where, for me, the story just takes a deep dive into the world. And I love the introduction of Sirius Black and how Harry really goes through like a huge mental shift in that year, especially with finding out that Sirius Black is his godfather and all the implications of that and finding out the truth about what happened with his parents. It's all very important. And I feel like it sets up so many things for the rest of the series. But that's, it really, it's my favorite. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I really love Deathly Hallows. And I always like flip-flop is my favorite Deathly Hallows or is it um, Half-Blood Prince? And I always come back to Deathly Hallows because I... And the thing I love about both those books is that we get to find out so much backstory on Mm -hmm. in Prince. We get to find out so much of the backstory on Voldemort and the Horcruxes and all of that stuff. But I really love getting snippets of Dumbledore's backstory in Deathly Hallows. Um, And because he is such a central figure in all of the books and we don't really find out so much about him until that last book um and so that's it's always been my favorite just because i love knowing all of those details megan how about you uh my favorite is actually order of the phoenix and um, the angsty all, book wanna... of course you love the angsty book all right. well it's, it's not because it's i don't know it's not because it's angsty but i think it's <laughs> it awesome angsty. that we all pick different books um yeah but i i really like it for a variety of reasons but um partially because of uh the dumbledore's army concept where they you know they know what's wrong and they decided to you know, kind of take it into their own hands to protect themselves yeah. and teach themselves and go up against this clearly horrible person. Um, Truly the, the worst like, villain oh. in the series. In Seriously. The, she's the worst, but also so good. Like, well, so, right? Because well, well, you hate her well so written. much. Yes, yeah. you hate her so much. Yeah, um, Like, you're like, just, can I have more Dumbledore? Or can I have more Voldemort? Because I fucking hate Umbridge. Right, I, but I think oh, that's the so the beauty of that character is that like she's presented as nice and perfect and mm-hmm. which is all why I hate these her things so much. and it's such a front and it's yeah. so well done and it it's to me it was this huge allegory of like people in the real world. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I I just really love that. I actually read it like after the election to like mm. pump myself back up again. Um, yeah. But I also really like. 
that Harry is starting to get some of Snape's backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are starting to get into that whole situation and, and letting him see a little bit more of what's going on there without getting too into the details. I think I like just that little like hint of it. So it kind of just makes you hungry for the next one. Yeah. And I, so I, I want to say that a lot of people shit on Order of the Phoenix because Harry is so angsty, um, but... Frankly, he's angsty in every book. He is really angsty in every book, but and... The, but the most in Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> the most yeah. angsty in Order of the Phoenix. And Kathleen and I have talked about this before, and I've mentioned on this podcast that, I list, that I've listened to Binge Mode, and they've done deep dives into Harry Potter and... Um, Game of Thrones and a, and a bunch of different stuff like that. Um, but they talked a lot when they discussed Order of the Phoenix about just all of the mental stuff that was going on with Harry during Order of the Phoenix. And I had such a new appreciation for that book in particular after listening to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. Because they just really just uncovered so much of what was really like what's really going on with him and unpacking so much of that and i like it so much more now oh well, also sure. like thinking about the way he was and the age he's supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah it's the, it's the exact age that someone would yeah be acting like that yeah in, and i mean and in, my kid's in, 12 and he totally yeah. is like yeah i could see like everything that Harry does, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's because he's a teenager and they go insane, basically, no <laughs> right. matter what's happening in their life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and what I loved about the binge mode episodes that they did on Order of the Phoenix, and in, in addition to what Steffi said, is that they really were able to explain why it's such a feat of literature that. You know, they had to, you know, J.K. Rowling had to write this novel where he is angsty because in addition to him, in addition to it being this natural evolution as a teenager, he also goes through some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. And so she couldn't just write him as this, you know, oh, I'm just going to power through and everything's going to be fine and we're going to defeat Voldemort sort of thing. Like she had to write him as she did. And the fact that she was able to do it and make you still like him and still want to read the next two books is quite impressive. Yeah, I think a lot of the books, the, you know, young adults, that age range of books, they don't deal with any of that at all. So the fact that she even tried is amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of YA characters are very one dimensional. Um and her characters are just they span so much so many different emotions and ages and life experiences and i think it's i think it's really great so similarly what's everyone's favorite character i have a couple because i can't just pick one (laughs) i think that's really hard there are so many different characters in this series um, sometime when you have 20 minutes of free time, go on to sporkle.com and find the like 200 most uh, most named Harry Potter characters in the series quiz. It is difficult. 
Oh, I've done that one before. It is really hard. (laughs) It's so hard. Um, But I, I mean, I love Hermione. I feel like she's just such a strong girl and like someone that I want my daughter to look up to. And actually all the characters I chose are kind of the ones that are misfits in a way, mm-hmm. but really, you know, stick true to who they are and become really amazing people and really conquer their fears and, you know, show that they have all these strengths inside, not just their misfit uh, qualities. But I love Hermione. Neville's another one. Um, sweet Neville. I love Neville. And I love Luna. I very much love Luna. And then I also love Fred and George because how can you not love Fred and George? Sob every time Fred dies. Every yeah. single time. Uh, Megan. Uh, uh, my favorite character is actually um, a more tertiary character. Uh, and that would be Tonks. Oh, yes. You have Tonks' wand, don't you? I do have Tonks' wand, yes. Um, But like Kathleen said, she's like a misfit, uh, even though she's an aura and all that. But I I just really appreciate, you know, she's always trying to do the right thing, um, even though she's seen as a misfit and outsider and she was cast aside from her family and – still is staying true to herself and chooses to be on the right side of history and I also really love that she fights for Lupin and she fights for him to love her and to stay with her um I guess that's like just the romantic part of me I think but I just really I really appreciate that that she's like no too bad we're going to stay together. I don't care that you're a werewolf kind of thing. Yeah. And I think just really sweet and lovely. The other thing. And very sad, but. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I like about her is her relationship with Moody. Because mm-hmm. um, they have, like, she's kind of his favorite. And, like, she's so upset when he dies. And I always just liked that he's such, like, a grumpus. But he has this, like, soft <laughs> spot for her. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the other things is that when I don't remember if this is an Order of the Phoenix or when it was, but when they first start talking about you know what kind of career Harry wants, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I want to be an Auror," and they're like, "Ha ha ha! You have to be amazing to be an Auror." And I was like, "Well, Tonks is an Auror, yeah, and she's a badass and not a kiss ass either." Yeah. So there, absolutely. <laughs> I really love Luna. I just think she's so delightful. And even though I think she might possibly be high most of the time, she's just... Her father definitely is. Her father 100% knows where the weed is. And (laughs) he's like growing it in the backyard. Back with the freshwater plimpies. He's got the good weed. Uh, He... Yeah, he's he's such a weirdo. But she is just so pure and lovely and the scene in hallows where ron and harry and hermione go to the lovegood's house and they're trying to find out 
about um, the Deathly Hallows symbol and like what's up with that. And Harry sees Luna's bedroom and she's and he sees where she's painted all of their faces on the mm-hmm. ceiling and that the um, he's there's like a gold thread that's like connecting all of them and he realizes that it's the word friends written over and over like I I like cry every time I read that mm-hmm. um, I just love her so much and you know what I think is really interesting that um, Luna and Tonks neither of them actually appear until halfway through the series mm-hmm. yeah and yet their characters made such a big impact on all of us Oh, well, yeah. I think Luna adds such, like, a lovely sweetness mm-hmm. to this dark, dark story. Mm-hmm. And she's just so, I mean, she knows a lot, but she just seems so innocent and sweet. And it's just really lovely the way that they folded her into the group. Yeah. And she, yeah. She's been and through some shit, and she's just yeah. still so kind yeah she is and there's an article or an interview somewhere where um jk rowling's talking about ivana lynch the actress who plays luna mm-hmm. and i mean she has an amazing story as to how she got the role in the first place as well but uh jkr said that you know the last couple books hadn't been written when order of the phoenix the movie came out or like Deathly Hallows what hadn't been finished yet something like that and so JKR actually pictured the actress playing her as she was writing mm-hmm. and that, I think that was the only character that she did that with because you know they saw thousands of people for Luna and as soon as they saw Ivana they were like she is Luna she's it yeah she, is she Luna. does such a good job so before we go on to the next topic, while we're still on characters, I actually want to ask, how does everyone feel about Snape? Ooh. I like Snape. Okay. I recognize that he did some real terrible things and has a frayed relationship with most other characters in the book Mm -hmm. however i still think that what he did was incredibly brave and without what he did and the sacrifices that he made the story would not be what it is Mm -hmm. and voldemort would not be dead basically i mean Mm -hmm. i don't think there's any way that they really could have defeated him had snape not done the things that he did i mean even if you go back to sorcerer's stone when snape was doing the counter curses when harry was playing quidditch and quirrell was trying to curse him you know i mean that's it seems small but if he hadn't done it would anyone else have right before it was too late and then you know you get to the end of half-blood prince and um or the end of Deathly Hallows and you really find out what he did. And I don't know. I, I very much appreciate the complexity of his character. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. 
I think that, yeah, the fact that he's working so hard basically to to make up for the mistakes that he made, but also is not being that person that is out there doing the, hey, look, everybody, at what I did. Right. Right. To make up for this. Like, he's bearing it alone. Yeah. And then that doesn't change even in the play, in Cursed Child. I mean, Mm -hmm. you get a snippet of Snape in Cursed Child, and he's still fighting the same fight with even less people around. So... You know, he, he has a lot of flaws, clearly. Yeah. But, like, when push came to shove, he did what he needed to do. So, I got to hand it to him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Depending on how I'm feeling, sometimes I will argue that he did more... Harm than good. No, that he <laughs> did more good for Harry than Dumbledore did. Yeah. That, I think it's a really interesting point. I struggle a lot with Dumbledore sometimes. I do too. Like, I love yeah. Dumbledore, but I struggle with a lot of the situations that he put Harry in and, like, somewhat needlessly. Um, and, like, I remember when, and we'll talk about Fantastic Beasts little later but i remember when the second fantastic beast movie came out and we found out that nagini the snake was a human and everyone was like well i mean like what's the implication like wouldn't dumbledore have told harry and da 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 and i was like no it's 100 percent in dumbledore's character to have not told harry because he would know that that would keep Harry from killing Nagini and would upset the whole plot. So, no, I think that he would totally hide that from him. So, not that I think that Dumbledore is, like, a bad dude, but I think it's interesting that you say that you think Snape sometimes did more good for Harry than Dumbledore did, because I think that's a really, really valid point. I mean, he just, I think he just put him in so many situations that were completely unnecessary that he... Um, could have prevented or at least uh, suggested less, I guess. Yeah. Like even starting out with the first book where he was just like, oh, ha ha, the Sorcerer's Stone, la la la. Like he didn't really care. <laughs> I'm telling you and everything. Sent these, <laughs> and sent these 11-year-olds <laughs> off to like possibly die multiple ways. No big deal. Right. It's totally fine. Yeah, the number of times <laughs> that he told Harry like, I'm going to tell you the truth now. I'm going to tell you everything now. Oh, this time I'm really telling you everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> also, also, while we're on this topic of the Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. can we just talk about how Dumbledore is supposed to be the greatest wizard of all time ever and yet did not know that Voldemort <laughs> was taking over the back of Professor Quirrell's head? <laughs> Come on. 
Uh, excellent points. You make some really valid points about Dumbledore. Like, maybe he's a good wizard, but also not very observant? Yeah, he's just, like, not paying attention. Also, his, the passwords to his office are, that's a very easy code to crack, my friend. Licorice. (laughs) Lemon drops. (laughs) Acid pops. (laughs) Okay, so what is on Dumbledore's shipped order for that week? That's the password. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's, (laughs) that's it. Anyway, (laughs) we cannot have a Harry Potter podcast without talking about our respective houses. So, Kathleen, where do you get sorted? So I actually just sorted myself recently in preparation for this podcast. I, you know, I I knew the, I, I don't know, I just never was someone who said I'm going to sort myself and that's going to be my house forever. I kind of just wanted to hope that I had qualities of several houses. And really when I thought about it, I just wanted to be in Gryffindor and I didn't want, (laughs) and I didn't want a website to tell me otherwise. So everybody wants to be in Gryffindor. (laughs) I know everyone wants to be in Gryffindor. So when I actually sorted myself and I was like, and it it popped up, you're a Ravenclaw. I was like, oh, well that was unexpected, but I suppose that I do fit into the qualities of a Ravenclaw. So I'm a Ravenclaw guys. (laughs) but it's kind of of like the enneagram where i'm i'm thinking to myself like okay fine like i'm a ravenclaw but like with a wing of a gryffindor or like a wing of a hufflepuff (laughs) sort of thing like is that allowed can i do that sure why not okay people have started to say that they like they'll merge the two names together like you're a ravenpuff or like something or like that see that's too much for me i just you know i'm just gonna go with Ravenclaw for now and I did do the actual Pottermore quiz because I wanted it to be official official Official. Um, and I answered all the questions truthfully as opposed to answering them in the way in which I figured it would lean towards Gryffindor (laughs) so no cheating no cheating although you can get the sorting hat to put you on the one you want sometimes Um, it's canon guys uh, I struggle with what house I'm in because I don't feel like I'm fully one house. I have taken the Pottermore quiz a few times. Like I've reset my account <laughs> before so I could retake it. And it flip-flops me between Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. So, mm-hmm. and I do feel like I have a lot of qualities of both. But like the fact that the Hufflepuff common room is right by the kitchen oh yeah. like that really like if i had to ask like i want the snacks and i don't really want to have to answer a riddle every time i want to go to bed so if i had to ask the sorting hat i might ask for hufflepuff just so that i can have easy access to snacks and not have to answer a riddle to go to bed i respect that Hufflepuffs do also like plants. They do like plants. And they like, you know, they're like, I feel like they just like like to like hang out and like be cozy and, you know, whatevs. They're super chill. Not that I'm super chill because I'm not, but (laughs) I can can, like want to be super chill. 
You can be super chill at times. When I'm cozied up on the couch watching a movie yeah. with a snack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, where are you sorted? Uh, so I also get sorted into Ravenclaw, which I have had many people argue with me about. And I'm like, I can't. I, I took the quiz. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Like, I've, t- I've taken a few different ones and they all have said Ravenclaw, but... I will say Ravenclaw, but uh, with a wing of Slytherin. There you go. Yeah. Um, some people are like, no, you're 100% Slytherin. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. I think you <laughs> lean heavily towards Slytherin. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because I don't think right. Slytherins are bad. Uh, Albus Dumbledore or Albus Severus Potter is a Slytherin. was a Slytherin. As a Scorpius, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> pause on He's that. The we'll best. get there. Uh, but I, so I do think you have a lot of Slytherin in you. But I will agree that I don't think you're all Slytherin. I, I do feel like you have a lot of Ravenclaw. I think you have more Ravenclaw than I do. Possibly. I think that you are more likely to successfully answer a riddle to go to bed than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like Jeopardy I, and crossword puzzles. So. True. I do really like Jeopardy. I I have been known to watch it on Netflix, but Jeopardy's on Netflix. It is. They have a bunch of the tournaments of champions on there. Nice. (laughs) I know. I know what Megan's gonna binge (laughs) next. Um, but I all I'm I suck at riddles. I truly suck at them. I don't have the patience for them. Mm So that could be a problem. Yeah, I I like them, but I think I'm bad at them. Steffi, do you remember last year when we had to do that race and one of the stops Ugh, was riddles? Yeah, it was. And they were all so stupid. <laughs> I got one of them. Yeah, we had to do this like scavenger hunt, amazing race thing at a work retreat. And one of the places that we stopped at, it was this whole list of riddles and I had I mean I might have had issues because I was also outside and it had been raining and so I wanted to die because of both of those things um but then they were making me answer riddles and I was like fuck this shit Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I only got one of them and no all the riddles were terrible and I think we asked the person for like all the answers practically yeah I feel like we and they didn't care lot. enough to be like no whatever yeah <laughs> I think they were also over it they were over it uh yeah so I and I, I like I really love like logic puzzles but riddles I, are not a yes. thing that I'm very good yeah. at so yeah. I do love logic puzzles so I feel like that's all very Ravenclaw-y of us. Yeah. But, you know, maybe. I used to do logic puzzles for fun in the summer. Oh, I have like an app on my phone with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're them. pretty great. I love them. <laughs> like I said, caca, motherfuckers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so J.K. Rowling created a whole world, which I think any author doing that always is like super amazing and I'm in awe of as a person who sometimes aspires to be a writer. But is there one piece of magic, like a spell or a magical item or a magical creature that you particularly love? Steffi, go first. Gosh, um, there are so many different parts of the wizarding world that I think are just incredible. Um, I am always in awe of the Marauder's Map. Mm-hmm. And because it's pretty 
amazing. But the thing I think is really amazing about it is that these teenagers created it. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) Also, also being an animagus is, I mean, obviously I would love the ability to turn (laughs) into an animal. (laughs) But... The the process for becoming an animagus is fucking insane. So <laughs> that is crazy. But I would have to say either being an animagus and or the Marauders map are my like, I think are the most interesting things. Those are super interesting. Megan, what about you? Oh, man. I had like Steffi said, there's so much to choose from and even think about but like even just on like a really superficial level is that I always really love the moving paintings like I just find those so charming and cool and like I think about what it would be like in our world to be like seeing a newspaper with a moving picture on it and I don't know. It's just kind of every time I think about it, it like kind of blows my mind a little. And then also Universal Studios. I know they're not real at Universal Studios, <laughs> but they're still cool to look at when you see them. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. I didn't even think about that. Um, in terms of like a creature, I didn't really have a a favorite. Cre- I mean, I I love the owls, but you know, there are owls in our world too. They just don't deliver things. Um, but as of recently, I was introduced. I finally watched uh, Fantastic Beasts, and now I love Nifflers. They're so cute <laughs> because they're so cute, and they, they like shiny things, which I also appreciate. Um, <laughs> also, I like but, that pouch where they just like stuff the things in there, yes, but you can't tell that so they're full things. of shiny yeah. things. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I also, in terms of a spell, my favorite spell is probably Accio. I wish oh, that man. I could use it. Like that'd be the most useful. I'm, oh, so useful. I mean, I'm I'm a sometimes quite lazy human being, <laughs> and and then being a mom of two small children, where I can't really be lazy as much as I would like to be. But, like, if I have kids on me, being able to just Accio things to me would be one of the most amazing abilities I could possibly think of. Other than being able to apparate from place to place because we live in California. And just practically speaking, all of our family and a lot of our friends live in Illinois and it would be so wildly yeah. convenient to just pop over whenever I wanted to, as opposed to taking a four-hour flight. That actually segues really excellently into the next question that You're we welcome. wanted to talk about. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so in our AMA episode, I made mention of the Flu Network, and Megan had a very visceral reaction to that and said, <laughs> we needed to circle back on that topic in this episode. So please discuss magical modes of transportation. Megan, you have some real feelings here. <laughs> okay. First of all, they are all terrifying. <laughs> Why? Why are they all the des- so terrifying? The descriptions are really not flattering for any of no. them. Truth. No. You're riding on a broom 
thousands of feet in the air for one where it's probably super cold not prepared I, re- I like the one movie where they finally realize like oh maybe they need to be wearing goggles yeah while they're Quidditch playing match. Quidditch yeah <laughs> um uh the port keyhole thing like that doesn't sound ideal and then the flu network just sounds just really bad like, I, I mean the number of times that like someone ends up in the wrong yeah. fireplace because you've like yeah. inhaled too much <laughs> like soot <laughs> like yeah. that cannot be good for your lungs come on i mean then there's the other option of flushing yourself down the toilet <laughs> like but you seem to come out dry, so there's a plus in that. But, like, do you... I I mean, no. I would not like to flush myself <laughs> down a toilet. Let's be clear like, here, thinking okay? about the logistics of, like, your body getting squished. Like, do you feel that? Or is it instantaneous? Like, that's the whole I mean, thing I can't get past. I, I think they talk about how certain modes of transportation can really make you nauseous and... yeah you know, kind of disoriented and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, even in, I, uh, what is that? Half-Blood Prince? Maybe? Or, I don't know. When Slughorn shows up, my brain's not functioning properly. But Dumbledore and Harry in the movie, they go to get, they go to get Slughorn and oh, Dumbledore's hmm. like, oh, you didn't vomit. Like, congratulations. <laughs> Most people vomit the first time they apparate. You're like, wow, that's really selling it. Great. And also, like, yeah. Ron splinches himself, like, almost yes. every time he apparates. Like, they're not going to have a Ron at the, by the epilogue if this guy keeps apparating. Like, <laughs> my guy, you have yeah. lost half an eyebrow. You've lost some fingernails. You, like, really badly splinched yourself coming out of the Ministry of Magic. It, like, it's, there's a lot I... Like, he can't even keep his wand taped together. Why are they <laughs> that is letting him do anything? How, how did he become an Auror, you guys? <laughs> have, no, like, not to hate on Ronald Weasley, but I have a lot of questions about how he became an Auror. Like, did they just say, you know what? We're short some few Aurors well, yeah, because and, of this war. And, like, you... <laughs> and you're Harry's you're best Harry's friend. Harry's best friend. You were along for a lot of this defeating Voldemort ride so we're just gonna let you in without right. actually giving you any tests because also they didn't finish their last year of school I mean you know you don't necessarily need to graduate to get a good job or just, to be talented in your area of work it's true for Harry maybe <laughs> <laughs> and Hermione I Poor well, Ron. Hermione went back. Hermione went back to finish her seventh oh, year. Of course she did. Of course she did. But she also could have just been, like, good to go. Even yeah, if she had maybe then, maybe then she wouldn't have become the Minister of Magic. It's true. It's true. I do love that she's Minister yeah. of Magic. And yeah. that he, Ron, quits being an Auror to go work at the joke shop. Run the joke shop. <laughs> It's pretty great. I do love Ron. I am shit. We're shitting on Ron, but I do. I do love Ron most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, traveling to the, the magical world does not sound great. I think I would rather apparate than take a port key. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. 
Because apparently, also, once you learn to apparate, then, you know, you don't get nauseous. I mean, like, unless you're Ron and you still have problems. But usually it seems like the people that really know how to apparate don't have a problem doing it. And it's it seems like it'd be the most convenient. You know, you don't yeah. have to have a fireplace or, like, fireplace dust to go... You know, you don't need a broom, although I would like to ride a broom, but apparating just seems much more convenient. It really does. Well, like any good Potter story, we're splitting this pod into two parts, so we're going to press pause on this discussion for the week. But we can't go without talking about joy, so what is bringing you joy this week, Steffi? Um, The kitten lady is bringing me joy this week. Oh, uh, what's the kitten lady? So the kitten lady is this gal on social media and on YouTube, and she does all of this kitten rescue. Like, she specializes in kittens, and she has, like, basically it's like a kitty cat NICU in her house. She has, like, a little, like, incubator, like, little warming chamber for them, and she specializes in, like, rescuing these little orphaned kittens or like if a ma- if a mama comes in who can't like raise her little kitten, she like helps them. Um, and she's written books, and she's like totally badass. Like she's like covered in tattoos, and also always like has this ador- these adorable kittens with her. She's so great, and uh, I just I've been I have been following her on Instagram, but just she's just bringing me a lot of joy lately. She recently had a really tough um like case that she was working on and um so that was kind of sad but overall I just love her content and I love how much she advocates for animal rescue and I love all of the little fuzzy kittens in her feed oh that's awesome yeah, and she has all of this really cute merch that says, like, save kittens, and she has, like, a little, like, there's an enamel pin, and it's, like, a little hissing kitten, and it says, very scary, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I might need it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, that's what's bringing me joy. How about you, Megan? Um, well, I recently saw the Little Woman movie. The new version. Yes. How was it? It was so good. Um, So I haven't read the book in a really long time, but uh, I fondly think of the Winona Ryder version. Um, Sure. But I just think this one was, I do think it was better. And I like the way that she approached it. She, I, I don't know how much you remember of the little women Winona Ryder version very but um it was very very focused on um Joe Mm -hmm. but I feel like this version does a pretty good job of trying to show the different sides of all the girls oh instead of just being like here's Joe Joe's the leader of the whole pack la 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 and so I really like that part um, and obviously, since like a period story, like the costumes are gorgeous, and yeah. the setting was just really lovely, and I don't know, I just really liked it. And also, partially because I had not read it in such a long time, I kind of forgot about the dad. 
Like oh, I knew yeah. he was in it, but in like the in the other version of the movie that I'm more familiar with, he's in like one scene where he comes home uh-huh. and that's it. <laughs> but yeah. in this movie, he comes home and then he's actually in scenes later. <laughs> He's actually, like, a parent. Like, they didn't forget about him. He didn't stop yeah. existing. So, <laughs> I appreciate, that's like, awesome. that's just, like, a little tiny touch. But I really appreciated that. I felt like it was a really yeah. well-rounded version of the movie. I thought it was great. Yeah. And, of course, I, I cried, so. Of course. I know you texted me when you, like, were you're like, I'm crying. Um, I, it has been so long since I have read the book that it would be, almost be brand new like I remember the general plot and I know like there's several sad things and like I remember what those are but uh if like when I eventually see this movie it will (laughs) sort of be like a whole new story because it has been so long since I've read or seen anything uh to do with little women so I'm excited to see it though yeah I think I mean a lot of the scenes there's like key scenes in the story obviously that are going to be the same no matter what movie version that you're watching, but they're yeah. definitely, you know, not going to skip or anything like that. But um, the other thing that I really liked about it is that I felt like the girls acted more like they were actually sisters. Oh, like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they would talk over each other. They would just be generally noisy and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, more more fun, I guess, and, like, just what I imagine having sisters sure. would be like. As opposed sure. to just actors acting right. like, as though they're sisters. I'm going to sisters. say my line now. Yes, yes. Because it's time to say my line. Yeah, it sure. Just it got a lot of more comfortable um, and stuff. So. Yeah, it got a lot of Oscar nominations. So I thought that was it. Did but it didn't get one for director, which is ridiculous. Well, because it's really sometimes, good. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I don't think that the people who nominate for the Academy Awards actually watch the things so that is true you know um there's there's definitely some major snubs every year where i'm like did did but did you watch any of them did you watch anything right well i guess we'll find out because this is gonna be i guess the oscars are next week and so we'll find out if they won any so i hope they do i hope so too great well that's that's a good little warm fuzzy even though it was sad yeah yeah it's a good movie you should definitely see it especially like if you have a a girlfriend you can go see it with yes i will definitely or like do like a movie night that'd be so much fun we can all we can cry like on the couch together with our wine perfect absolutely (laughs) (laughs) all right well be sure to join us here next week as we discuss even more about the wizarding world Until then, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the pod, so drop us a line on social at IRSI Podcast or email I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.